Welcome to Talking Tolkien. This week is part six of our talking about the Silmarillion, and mainly involves a direct tie-in to the previous chapter where Melkor and Ngulion have run away, and there's people, there's monsters eating gems, and Noldor freaking out at each other and breaking up alliances, and then a lot of death actually. So this is not a very pleasant moment in the Silmarillion. So I hope you enjoy. Of the flight of the Noldor. Right. So previously on Talking Tolkien, we uh, had, holy crap, Feanor... Plot. Yeah, plot. Lots of plot. Feanor... Silmarils. The Silmarils. OMG. Dead trees. Yeah. And, you know, nothing good comes of that. Weird spider demons. I mean, they're real pretty, but all the bad things happen. And yeah, the death of the trees and... Horrible, gross spider demon. Belching darkness. Belching darkness. And evil. That's like a cloud that hangs around everybody, which is really weird. That's what evil is. Boo! That's what evil does. So now, you know, as we had discussed, things were already... The tensions were already building amongst the Noldor. And so now in this, in uh, Chapter 9, we find that comes to its breaking point. Yes. And uh, we see what happens. The actual Things fall apart. The center cannot hold. <laughs> the actual proper destruction of relationships happens in this... I almost said season. Not a season. <laughs> in this <laughs> in, chapter. In this season of the Silmarillion. <laughs> Are you okay? You look like you're in detention. <laughs> like yeah. He looks like you're in the principal's office. <laughs> we, we, we need to put a cone of shame on him. Uh, yes. I'm, I'm experimenting different poses on the... Exercise ball, because I fell and bruised my tailbone. And you do look like you need to have a cone of shame put on you. So, no. So, yeah. Yes. Everyone is kind of mourning and lamenting, which is, of course, very understandable, because, as we've discussed, uh, the trees are dead. Thanks, Ungoliant and Morgoth. Or, at, actually, still at that time, Melkor. Yes. Um, and Yvonne is, like, over it, going, this is dead. She's like, I can't well, fix I it. Can't do this again. I can't do anything here. Yeah, and that's that's yeah that's she had taken the light you know from the from those wells and made them into trees and grew the trees. But she's like, well, I can't do it again. But if I had a remnant of some of that light, I could do something. You know, give give that light back to the trees and maybe resurrect them. So hmm, where no could we or. where could we possibly find some of the light of those trees? Silmarils. Oh yes, Silmarils. Silmarils. Yeah, <laughs> different. Keep that in your little you brain know, skull or maybe, for now. Maybe if they had just constructed a telescope, waited thirteen million years, aimed it at some gravitational well, and seen the remnants of the light bouncing back at them. So late. <laughs> now. I'm so confused about one thing. Mm-hmm. So these light trees, these trees of light, mm-hmm. yes. were very important for light. Yes. Sorry, it's so redundant. Now, <laughs> how many times can we say light in this? There episode? is no sun. In no. as of yet, there's no sun yet. As of so yet, everything, there's no sun and no moon. Everything in this chapter is in pure darkness. No, there are the stars. There's yeah, there's, there's the still stars. the stars. Um, but hey, aren't some of the stars made from the light of the trees? So why can't you just use that? Well, there's yeah. a lot. Well, there's, there, yeah, there's a bunch of things. There's there was something else in this chapter that made me that kind of made me um, react a bit like that. Uh, I can't remember right now. A, a character references something. I'm like, you guys wouldn't have that technology. It seemed like a weird offhand thing, but never mind. I, I, we'd have to get to it before I remember there, what exactly it there was. There are inconsistencies in everything. And <laughs> so, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. The Silmarillion is not exempt from this, and in fact, Tolkien himself, like, he, the, one of the reasons it was never published during his lifetime is he was never he happy with it. it. He kept yeah. revising it, because he kept trying to reconcile things that later would come up in The Lord of the Rings, and saying, oh wait, this doesn't work with the Silmarillion, and, uh, or, you know, which at that point the Silmarillion was not yet complete but you know er- earliest incarnation of it and things that he had been scribbling down he, so yeah the Silmarillion <laughs> during his lifetime at least was never quite exactly how he wanted it and so you know it's it's never going to be perfect and there are going to be little inconsistencies alright so the Valar are like we need light from the trees yes absolutely Feanor you have Silmarils give us Silmarils and Feanor was not Please with that, obviously. Fe- yeah, Feanor was like, well, because remember, 
he is so has become so greedy and lustful now of them, and because he had kept them in his stronghold that he had built, encased in iron, so that nobody could see them because he loves them so much, and he's that you know they're his precious. Um, so, yeah, so he's like, uh, no, I'm not going to do that because that would break my heart. And I, I like this quote. But he also says, I cannot do them again. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of people who can't repeat. Previous. Similarly. Yeah. Like this was his magnum opus and he can never create them again. And of course, uh, he can't create them again because the source of the light isn't there anyway. So, yeah. Um, yeah. so, but he, so his, uh, reaction to this too he says um and i shall be slain first of all of the eldar in amon so he so basically what would happen if if he were to give them the silmarils it would break his heart and he would die because remember elves can die of great grief yep Yeah, he's going pretty, pretty, he's pretty, pretty going extreme, out there because I mean they were like his greatest masterwork even though like he made language better. You know? Right, right. Which <laughs> Lang- I mean, the language. Okay. And at this time is this before Oh, yeah, and around this point is when they find is this when they find that the the that the, the Silmarils are no longer in the area anyway? Well, um not quite. So they yeah, they had been so Feanor had 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 come because remember the Valar had called him to council and mm-hmm. um, he he had left the Silmarils at in his kind of fortress Formosa yeah <laughs> no wait that's wrong that's way wrong what am I saying that's 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 a restaurant Never Formanos mind. Formanos sorry I like that though Form- Formosa that's also a drink too right it's, it's like a, a it's got an orange juice in it or something that's a, right? that's a mimosa oh, I'm way all over the place never mind <laughs> you know what I mean. This is, uh, chasification of Middle Earth names continues. It's great. I don't even see the Middle Earth name. I just, just <laughs> look at it and then I just ballpark it. Just <laughs> batter up whatever comes out of my face. Um, but yeah, they 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 have told him you we need the Silmarils to gain something of the light back. Mm-hmm. And it sounds it sounds kind of hopeless in my opinion. Opinion. Yeah. It seems like they're like this might work. We don't really know. But that's yeah. That's uh, Yavanna says you know that there's there's a chance if I had the Silmarils that I could you know bring the trees back. So I mean, wouldn't you want to? Right. The the, the trees are the only source of light right now, and making valley well, so beautiful. You know, I would. But I mean, I, I, we we would, but Feanor, no become far too dependent on his beautiful Silmarils. But, um, so he's also, though, remember, so he, he's kind of sulking and brooding, um, because he, but he's still thinking about what Melkor had said to him. Um, that the, the Silmarils would not be safe in the hands of the Valar. Um, and so Feanor, of course, like we said, is fearing that if he gives them over, that he'll die. Uh, so he decides he won't do it unless the Valar force him um, Which begins Feanor's hyperbolic tendencies that are going to kind of uh, start to boil and build up even more. He has a flair for drama, yeah. shall we say. I think about 40% of this chapter is Feanor f- at length being hyperbolic about stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not exactly he's not exactly in the wrong. It's still like... I'm gonna have myself. We're gonna. Have, I'm, we're gonna. <laughs> but have. it's. But it's very. Yeah. He's. He. He's. You know. Become consumed by his attachment to the Silmarils, and then remember, he's been poisoned by Melkor. Um, even though he doesn't. You know, Feanor is true to himself and relies only on his own will. Right. But still, Melkor has been telling him all these things that the Valar want to hold him captive, and that they want his Silmarils, and that the Silmarils won't be safe in the hands of the Valar, and that. Um, the Valar are trying to control him. Um, and so Feanor, while he doesn't trust Melkor and while he hates him, he still has those words like in the back of his brain. And he still also knows that Melkor is one of the Vala still. So there, so he still is like, if he holds one in contempt, then he has to hold the other in contempt as well. 
So he just doesn't trust anybody. Yeah, and I love how, like, even though he's believing, he's starting to believe uh, Melkor's lies, Melkor, behind his back, steals the Silmarils, yes. and kills his father, and then information comes down to Feanor about that. Right. So it's like, everything is screwed up already, anyway. Exactly. It doesn't even matter. Exactly. So, so yeah, and, you know, like you said, so uh, Melkor, during this, had gone to... Uh, to Formanos and with his girlfriend the big spider <laughs> with his girlfriend the big spider belching all of her gross uh blackness everywhere and uh kills Fenway yeah Fenway's done yeah um and so Fenway is the first elf to be slain so he's the first elf to be slain and, yeah, and so and it's the first proper death caused by more or uh, Melkor, mm-hmm. yes, and the first, also the first blood to be spilled in the blessed realm too. Because mm-hmm. um, apparently, when elves give birth, it is a very clean process. Yeah. <laughs> Hygienic. Are they just like giving birth and then it's like, well, that's done. Things that you had never considered. <laughs> Maybe they're like pregnant and then suddenly it's just like the baby's next to them now. It's like, oh, there it is. Or the baby like bursts out of their forehead. Fully okay, around. that's. <laughs> That seems much more likely, oddly enough. No. We're not getting into that. Okay. We're so, getting into really uh, weird territory. Yes. So, Milford yeah. kills Fenway, takes the Summerals, and they go to Middle-earth over the Helcaraxi. Helcaraxi, yes. Which is the coolest word in the book so far. Which is basically really cool yeah, mm-hmm. icy straits that they can walk over. But, um, you know, so while that's going on, so, so Fanor hears this message, um, and he... At this point, curses Melkor and mm-hmm. renames him Morgoth. And that's and when we now that's, have yeah, Morgoth. That's, that's so, when the text switches to actually continuously right. referring. We've to heard Morgoth. this before, but now uh, this was the point that caused the, the the renaming. And I love the the translation of Morgoth as the black foe of the world. Which so is it's very a true. darker. So Melkor is Valar name. This is like actually Dark Lord name. Yeah, this is right. yeah, this is his, his his baddie name, and it's true. He is the black foe of the world. He's since the very beginning. He's you know wreaking havoc and causing bad stuff to happen. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel very like very aptly named. Anguliant is a little bit scarier because even like Borgoth is freaked out by her. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. she is. But you know, Melkor's been causing trouble since before the beginning. She's also a land squid because she belches black smoke everywhere. <laughs> land squid. And well, she has multiple <laughs> legs. So, yeah. well, and and I, I think Anguliant is more like Morgoth is much more of a villain in the fact that he kind of kind of has plans. Well, whereas Anguliant is just kind of a destructive force. Yeah, Morgoth is kind of corruption, and Angoliant is just kind of like... Inherent evil. Yeah, exactly. There we go. Yeah, and and inherent grossness. Um, I wonder what she smells like. Um, What does that black belching smug smell like? Um, Imagine a cheese factory. I was actually in Louisiana two weeks after... um, After... Brief story, Hurricane real quick. Katrina. Yeah, right after, like two weeks after Hurricane Katrina, doing some uh, like cleanup work down there, and there was this house there. That this guy was. We were helping move some stuff out, or, or salvaging some of his stuff, and he's like, "Yeah, take that freezer and make sure the tape stays on it because I caught a dolphin fish like the day before the hurricane hit, and it's been there without power for two weeks. So Ugh. don't." So don't let that thing open. So a bunch of us guys are like carrying this thing out, and it falls and breaks open. Of course. And Ugh. we all instantly become very, very sick. Yeah. Out in the middle of this. So random tangent. That's what I imagine it smells like. But I, I would imagine, yeah, Angolian. <laughs> I would imagine she smells like, uh, like really gross cheese factory slash. <laughs> that was a ch- slash, Whoa. slash fish market slash. Um, Fish like, market makes more sense. It would have to be kind of a naturally occurring like, person. Like, um, exhaust from... Yeah, I'm thinking, like, cold... Burning things. Cold fumes and... Yeah. Not a good smell. Oh, maybe, like, you know, when you burn your fingernails or hair? Oh, yeah, 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 like that yeah. smell, yeah. Burning hair is the worst smell. I know, right? We should stop doing it. Yeah. <laughs> no more hair candles for we us. We stop doing it in this room right now. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> We can buy wakes at Michael's. We don't have to use our hair when we make candles. Already this week, we've had such strange thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> what? 
It's because I've noticed this podcast has kind of become the weirdness of us as friends. You think that Silver Lane is a leaping off point? Right? Well, because especially when we get into like weirdness of like what what happens next? Yeah. Right. So what happens next is. Morgoth flees, and... And this is really bad, too, because now he has the Silmarils, which are the only source of light left, yeah. besides the stars, of course, but we, we need yeah. more light than that. He, so, bad. So he's... He, the Silmarils are within this crystal container that uh, Feanor hath wrought, <laughs> and uh, as, as he and Angoliant are fleeing to Angbad via uh, the Heracraxi... Helicaraxi. Helicaraxi. Yeah. Um... <laughs> As this is happening, and Goliath is like, "Yo, Morgi, you promised me more." And so he keeps feeding her gems. That's exactly what she said. He too. stole all of her gem, all of Feanor's gems, and he keeps feeding them to her, and she keeps getting bigger. And then finally, she's like, "You're only feeding me with your left hand. What's in your right hand?" And he's like, "What's in my right hand is something that I will never let go, even though it's burning to flesh on my right hand." Yeah, cut to like flame, white flames coming out of his hand and burning. So it. remember this: this beast, which does, or this this entity which does not need to have a corporeal form is now having his hand irrevocably burnt. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm just going to keep hounding that. Well, no, I, at, at, at this point though, he had taken a form. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, it's not like he can go back yeah. to being he, that, he that, the way it was. He had taken the form of this like tall, dark Rowan lord Atkinson. thing. Yeah, Rowan Atkinson. Okay. <laughs> well, and also Pro- like... Probably not. <laughs> she like winds him up in like webs yeah and like is basically like well this is this is when they get to on bond yeah yeah and like strangling him and, he, and then he's my favorite part of this whole thing was this, this description of this new this place mm-hmm. and and the scream yeah therefore that region was called lamoth for the echoes of his voice dwelt there ever after so that anyone who cried aloud in that land awoke them, and all the wastes between the hills and the seas were filled with the clamor as of voices in anguish. Holy crap! Yeah. That is it's messed like, up. You know how yodels echo? Like, you can stand at the top of these mountains, like in Switzerland or Germany or whatever, and yodel, and then we they come back to up, you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's what happens, but with Morgoth's cry, and it's like the most dreadful thing anyone's ever heard. Loam. Echo. And Dor Lomine, Arid Lomine, related our Lamoth, Lanthier Lamoth. See, I was just trying to think of, like, a situation where thousands of years after that, where someone's coming through that area and is hearing that. It's just, it's just really cool imagery. But the screams and the cries uh, awaken uh, some of his forces, mm-hmm. and they start to... Ad- I think it, I think something along the lines of like whipping and well, like, yeah. like so hitting specifically the Balrogs. The yeah, Balrogs yeah, that's are right. Like fire yeah. demons, right? And they come, you know, galloping forth from the depths of where they were kind of sleeping. Um, they and are galloping out the depths of where they were. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that one of these days uh, I'm going to finish and write my full battle hymn of the Republic, <laughs> Silmarillion edition. And they whip Ungoliant and free their master. Um, and she goes galloping off. <laughs> um, and she lit, she goes down, uh, into Beleriand and there's this like yucky space kind of down there, um, where spidery things still kind of live. But I loved that, uh, like the, the vagueness of Ungoliant's end, uh, like people don't really know, but they say she devoured herself because like her thirst, you know, is completely unquenched all the time. Um, and she that makes sense. Just needs all she's, this light, so she's eventually, pizza the hut. yeah, <laughs> eventually, yeah, she's beat to the hut, and eventually she eats herself. Now, is she in somehow weird connection to the spiders that are that come up in the two towers? Because I know that there's well, spiders, well, there's it, big spiders in the two towers. I know I'm skipping ahead. It does say that she bred with all the spiders, yeah, and that's like, yeah, there were still spidery things that, like you know, Melkor had kind of influenced from the very beginning too. Um, and yeah, so she she breeds with so this the is other so spidery things and beasts there. This is so far in the past that hypothetically you could say like a like the gene pool of those spiders were changed because well, it of her. Down into this is the up. beginning of this is the beginning of the second age. So there it was like four thousand years until we get to the Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Because so, the, the end of the first age is like the fall of Melkor, mm-hmm. and we're in the second age, and then the the end of the second age is the fall of Sauron. And then the end of the third age is the fall of Sauron. Again. Part two. Okay, Part two. Again, yeah. Electric boogaloo. So any sort of like, uh, except explicitly stated, any real connections just kind of seem like jumping at shadows for no, me? No, 
I mean, it's very, like, I, I don't think that he would have made, like, giant, nasty, magical spiders a recurring thing unless he had intended to kind of weave some. All right, yeah. No yeah. pun intended, but, you know, weave some of these threads uh-huh, together. Weave. Okay, his name is John, not Arachne. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so so yes, the Silmarils are still in the in Mor in Morgoth's possession, which is <laughs> not good. And, and he's growing strength and rebuilding, and he he crafts a crown for himself in which he sets the Silmarils and sets it upon his head and never, never takes, takes it, it off. off. Ever. Even though it grows heavier and heavier and heavier. Boy, that sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. And his hands, remember when, uh, from holding the Silmarils, they become burned, and his hands are always in pain. Mm-hmm. He's always in pain of the burning, and he's always angry about the pain, and he never leaves his fortress. He sits there and commands his army, but he never leaves his fortress. That was the line that, that I thought was very interesting, because I feel like as a character, Morgoth is not going to show up as often now. He's just smoldering in his hatred. Like, it's finally at that point now where it's like, what he has done has left him so changed that he just doesn't... Like... I'll, I'm leading, I'll lead, yeah. whatever. He's the ringleader of all the evil, and yeah. we're going to see his doings still. Um, so, speaking of, like, smoldering in your hatred, uh, by this point, <laughs> by this point, Feanor, like, goes back to Tuna, and he's like, even though he's exiled, he just, like, goes in. He's like, oh my Noldor, you know, uh, Morgoth has taken our greatest accomplishments. He has murdered our king. Um, and the um, the Valar are of his kin, and they, they failed to protect us, and they are weakening us and saving Middle-earth for the, for the man. Uh, so, I, you know, I say, follow me. We shall return to Middle-earth, which is rightfully ours. We shall spite the Valar. We shall reclaim the Silmarils. And his seven sons hop in, and they all swear an oath to reclaim the Silmarils. An oath to... Iru, which cannot be broken. Right. And also isn't this like this this oath is like super like messed up in a way. Like it's, it's really kind of Yeah. Dark and terrible and horrible. Yeah. Like this is like that sort of Very pack. good, no bad. I mean very bad, <laughs> very no bad, good. No very good, bad, no good, bad, yeah. That yeah, basically I mean it's 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 like a blood oath. They're they're vowing to fight anybody beast or elf, or man, or anyone that gets, in uh, that, that gets in their way, or who takes possession of a Silmaril. Sounds like somebody's playing with a loaded gun. Totally. That might be coming up pretty soon. More like a loaded fun. Loaded fun. <laughs> Sorry. Lo- that was lo- a loaded pun. Loaded, loaded sword. So, uh, <laughs> so, yes, they're, like, preparing to march out, and, uh, Mandos, right? Mandos comes. Yeah. Um, well, so you know, again, we had we had some kind of confrontations uh, between Feanor and his brothers too, Fingolfin um, and, Finarfin, yeah. and Finarfin. They, you know, and things come to swords again, and you know, things almost come to that point where Feanor is going to slay his brother, and Finarfin kind of calms everything. And their sons. Yeah, and their their sons too. Get, so, but they eventually do swear fealty to Feanor. Yeah. Over over their fathers. Yeah. Like, Except. Who doesn't swear the oath? The only person who doesn't swear the oath is Galadriel. Yeah, that. Although she decides, very referenced. She decides she she wants to go to Middle Earth though because she does kind of want a, a realm of her very yeah, own. Yeah, so she's <laughs> she's still being opportunistic here. Like. Yeah, but she's not gonna like fight people. Yes. So this is just the big splitting of ways where this massive troop of like Noldor led by like the Dark Moses to yeah. to kind of I mean it's it, it it feels like a death march. I mean it feels like a death march along the way that's going to just leave. Well yeah because basically what he's wanting to do is go and confront Morgoth. They don't have a plan. <laughs> like I felt like I felt like when I was reading this I was like alright everything about thing about this sounds cool. Where are you gonna go? Mm-hmm. What are you gonna do? And that's kind of what I was thinking kind of actually happened, where... Because yeah. remember, yeah. Feanor also, when he first hears that that uh, Morgoth had, had taken the, the, the Silmarils, he was like, curse you, summons of the Valar, if I had only been there, I could have fought him off. Yeah. And I was like, okay, Feanor, you're pretty powerful, but I don't think you're quite that powerful. So, <laughs> if you remember, Chase, when the Teleri moved from Tolarisea 
to Valinor, what did they do? They made boats. They made boats. Yes. And remember Hefty how I said, boats. remember only these elves can make yeah. boats? Yeah. So Feanor marches his peoples north, trying to cross the uh, Helcaraxi. Mm-hmm. And he realizes this is a dumb idea. Where yeah. can I get boats? Oh, yeah. The, the uh, Telerian. So they go down and they're like, yo, Teleri bros, you owe us boats. We gave you building. Mm-hmm. No. And they Not like, for this. Well, but what you're doing is rebelling against uh, the Valar, and, yes. and we we do owe you, but we don't have to aid you in folly. Yeah. And Feanor's like, screw that, and he starts to kill them. Takes them by force. Takes them by is, force. This yeah. was the big thing that's like I was really going, oh no, oh god. Yeah. This is the worst thing that could happen. This is horrible. Yeah. This is this is when. Um, this is when it gets real because we now have the Noldor are basically slaying the Teleri. Yeah. And this is the first kinslaying. Yeah. And uh, there were a lot of deaths on both sides, but honestly, the Teleri suffered the most. Because they're being killed. Well, and they even said to Feanor, these are as our Silmarils were to you. Yeah, the, you know, these were their creations. The The Silmarils were the Noldor. Like, gem, oh, great miss- gemstones mm-hmm. were the Noldor's creations. The, the ships were the Teleri's creations. I missed so. that little detail yeah. right there. Mm-hmm. That makes what happens later that much more dark. Yeah. So, yes. So they sail out, well, they row out, and they don't really know what they're doing, and they end up at the Helcaraxi anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I noticed that. It was yeah. just like, whatever. And so they're camping out, and finally Feanor and his sons are like, you know what? These guys don't believe us. And so they like just sneak off with all the boats, and they leave uh, Fingolfin and Fenarfin mm-hmm. behind. But So right before that, though, so they... Oh, wait, Fenarfin... This had... was... Uh, remember, um, uh, Mandos came. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. And tells them, oh, yeah. Yeah, tells them the, the prophecy of the North and the doom of the Noldor, mm-hmm. which tells us a lot about what's going to happen. Um, says, you know, you you have slain your kin, you have caused bloodshed, the Valar are going to shut you out. Um, you don't get to come back from this. Yeah. Bad things are going to happen to you. <laughs> um, a lot of you guys are going to die. And uh, those who do live and make it to Middle-earth are going to be real, real sad all the time. <laughs> um... And grow weary of the world and just want to leave it. Now and then and then and then that's when some of them start to flee, basically back to Valinor. Yeah. Fingolfin yeah. and Finarfin they go back and they're pardoned. no, it's just Finarfin goes yeah, back and, the and, is, and is pardoned. Yeah, yes. And, and Feanor's like, we're not going to be cowards. Yes. You know, we might we might die, but we're gonna we're not going to back down. Oh, and there were there were roughly a tenth of the Noldor who did not leave in the first place. Right. So yeah, he yeah. He says a tithe of the Noldor, so I assume he yeah, means a tenth. The tenth. Yeah. Um, so then, yes, they mm-hmm. end up in the Helcaraxi. Feanor abandons uh, Fingolfin, mm-hmm. and finally does get to um, Beleriand. They land, and Finarfin. No, wait, someone. Fingolfin. No, one of his sons, right? Oh yeah, it was one of the sons, but yeah, um, well, Maedros. Uh, I didn't write it down. I completely forgot. Yeah, uh, but one, but one of the sons. Um, was said so so who's gonna take one of the ships back to get the rest of the people? And Feanor was like, Well, we're not gonna do that. And then and then and sets them on fire. Burns fire them. to the ships. He burns them. Yeah. Yes. God. And what's even more heartbreaking is that the Teleri can see it from across um the shore and they see it, they and and No, it's not the Teleri, it's uh Fingolfin. Or, yeah, uh, I'm sorry, Fingolfin. Uh, and, see it. and the rest of the people that Feanor had left can see it from across uh, the way. And On the Helcaraxi, and so they're like, we better just get walking. Yeah. This image makes more sense. Yeah, it's, but it's, I mean, heartbreaking because Feanor has completely abandoned them because uh, he's decided that everyone with him is are, are the people who are most, you know, loyal to him. And um, so decides they're going to, they're going to trek on. Um, so yeah, Fingolfin, uh, though, still decides like they're gonna make it to Middle Earth, and they do. They trek through Helcaraxe, which again was like that's like the hardest. It's the Bering Strait. Yeah, the hardest journey that anyone has made yet there, 
Um, so they're super hardy, and uh, some of them perish, but those who make it, make it. Um, that's kind of where that ends, right? Yeah. That's, that's where that chapter ends. It was, yeah. it was just kind of... Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm really I'm really digging. I'm really waiting. Because I thought the next chapter would be the next aspect of this, but no. Well, and, and recall that all of this is in perpetual twilight. Because yeah. Right. Light has not been recreated. So there, everything is by sword. I mean, by do I have a sword, sword light. Yeah. <laughs> by torch light. Isn't torch light. Sword, sword light sounds like some like five dollar RPG on Steam. Sword, sword light. light. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, so the next chapter is of the Sindar. Then we go way back in time. <laughs> we go back to like when I think it was when Morgoth was first in prison. Or well, yes. yes. Mm-hmm. So now we go to the, the the elves who never left Middle Earth. And we had talked about them briefly before. We talked about. Um, uh, and again, it feels like we're talking about briefly here, too. Right. It's, it's, it, it just blitz through so much time. Well, this is kind of one of those uh, points where we're, you know, setting up things that we're going to go into more detail later as well. Oh, right, yeah. So, um, so yeah, we're, we're going back to talk about Elway, as he was known, was one of the Teleri who decided he didn't want to leave Middle-earth because he fell in love with Melian, uh, and he was uh, renamed, of course, um, Thingol. Uh, but he fell in love with Melian, who was one of the Maya. Um, so at this time they are kind of, you know, just reigning happily and becoming more powerful and, uh, Lord, they're like the royals of all of the elves of Beleriand and their people are called the Sindar, the gray elves. And the gray elves were like, they were like more special. Than the other elves, like or they were set apart differently. Well, and it's it's because so they were they were part of the Moriquendi, right? The ones who didn't leave right, Middle yeah. Earth, so the, the dark elves. But because of Thingol and Melian and their leadership, they became really fair and very skilled. Yes, um, more skilled than all of the other elves, really. So they're special, very so they're special. special. Yes, and they then, are special. During this, in around this area, the dwarves have popped up. Right. So they've awoken. Yeah. And we also had, we had a, a little mention of someone we're going to hear more about. Um, Thingol and Melian have a daughter, their only child, named Luthien. Um, and she was born during the chaining of Melkor. Um, we're going to hear about more, more about her later. Oh, yeah, but yeah. yeah. Then we go into all this discussion of the dwarves and the elves. And for... Uh, lists so, a lot of stuff, too. What a lot you, of their areas. Right. And what do we know from uh, from other works about the relationship between dwarves and elves? Well, there's almost like a like a racial tension. Yeah. A like deep tension that if I feel like if you would sit down a dwarf, they probably couldn't explain it. If you sat down an elf, they probably couldn't explain it. They just kind of it's just there. There yeah, so there's seems, there's tension between the two. Yeah. So this is where we're going to start to see the building of that tension because off the bat didn't seem like there was much tension in this. Well, yeah, this was see this is way before anything I think. This is yeah, this is very interesting because we see the very beginning of the relationship between the elves and the dwarves and during this time everything is pretty amicable, right? Everyone's getting along and helping each other. Um you know, later on we see and it, it's evidenced uh a lot and you know, everyone has seen Lord of the Rings and um, and the Hobbit and everything, and uh, elves and dwarves during the later times in the Third Age um, don't particularly get along very well. But right now, it's, we're, it's fine. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a fine. working relationship of we need this thing, we want to be paid to do it. Okay, mm-hmm. we could totally pay you to well, do this thing. Mm-hmm. But it also like lists like a whole bunch of, and some of those names actually felt. Some of them are familiar. Some of them are really familiar. Yes. Um, I can't quite put my finger on exactly the ones. I mean, Kazakh Doom is so. Most yeah, you you know you know Moria, everyone knows the bridge know of Kazakh Doom and yeah. Moria. So well, and Kazad. Kazad is is it means stunted peoples. Yeah, it's, yeah. But, they, they're really nice. They're like, oh, you're short thing. We we'll call you short people. You well, know. the dwarves call themselves Kazad. Uh, the Sindar called them Nalgrim, which meant stunted people. Oh, yeah, people. that's right. Sorry. I did like um, when they first met them, they were like, they heard the dwarf language, and it was like, it was unpleasant. They didn't like listening to them. Right. <laughs> it like, was unpleasant to their elf ears. Well, because they're like, oh, there are other beings that can speak. 
And very few and of the things. yes, mm-hmm. and very few of the elves actually learn dwarvish, but the dwarves love to learn elvish. Yeah, and the dwarves actually picked it up quickly too and use it. Yeah, um, because they were yeah they they needed to communicate with each other. Um, but also of interest is the fact that the dwarves like building things with like iron. Yeah. Not, oh, okay. not, not silver. Not silver. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the the dwarves come into Beleriand, and Thingol welcomes them um, and is happy to work with them. <laughs> Sorry, the way you said it. And like you're saying, single, like Thingol. <laughs> like I'm Thingol. Okay. So will you date me, please? Okay. Please. Sorry. Oh, single. Oh, it's like a lisp on single. I, I thought you were. I, I thought you were. I didn't know what else. he was talking about. Either. I thought you were saying yeah. like. Oh, never mind. <laughs> um, but they had them work together on building this. Was it? They used a bunch of words for it. Was it a mansion? Or was so, it like yeah. a kingdom? The we had talked about, you know, the dwarves building all these mansions, and among them being Kazadum uh, and Dwaradelf, and um, which later is called Moria, and we see yeah. that later in Lord of the Rings. Um, and they start building a mansion for Thingol because Th- Thingol is uh, kind of thinking. Um, we we need to have a little bit more security because again, like everybody has this impending sense of doom, um, and we don't yeah. know yet what is happening oh. with. Morgoth. And currently, um, um, Melkor Morgoth is still locked away. So on a, on a related note, I heard a really bad joke today. Uh, where do uh, feminists live? I don't know. I don't know where this is going. <laughs> In a man shun. Oh. <laughs> okay. And again, that's a joke made by people who don't understand what feminism is. Feminism. Actually, no. I, I think it, I think it was actually created to, to poke fun at that meninus, which is, is dumb because that movement already existed and it was called masculism. You guys are so dumb you don't even realize that what you're doing is not new, and you name it even something stupider than what it originally was. That that, that sounds like minius. Anyway, we're talking about. Yes. Men We're talking about building, yeah, men, men of Groth, exactly. Really, I can make that segue with that. <laughs> so, yeah, they they built this uh, great mansion for Thingol. Um, that was, like, in the likeness of Valinor or whatever. Yeah, it's, like, described as really beautiful. And I loved, too, so um, Melian and her ladies had made these great woven tapestries that tell tales of, uh, of you know, all of the great things that have happened. And they put, you know, lamps everywhere, and it's beautiful, and, uh, yeah, based upon the image from what she had seen, what she knows of Valinor. So, it's, like, the prettiest house ever. <laughs> See, I, it, for some reason, I'm reminded of, like, when I was a kid and was reading, like, uh, or not when I was a kid, kid I mean, um, when I was, like, seeing Lord of the Rings and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I was thinking about every time I would like try to attempt to read this stuff, I would think about those movies. And I feel like I'm not getting the best sense of this. I feel like it's almost like so much grander. Like I was trying to think of like, this is underground, right? Too. Yes. So it's like this crazy intricate, uh, like it's like a cave system. Yeah, right? that's what yeah. it's called. So Menegroth is it means the thousand caves. Oh wow. Yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah, it's like an underground like city basically so uh fi- finally you know this we're entering into the third age of the captivity of melkor and the dwarves are feeling like something's going to be happening and uh again they talk with thingol stuff's not good yeah there's, and there's weird things in the north and there's and evil. it's weird yeah there's evil coming there's weird things in the north there's these stunted twisted beings <laughs> um so they decide we need to make some weapons. Um, so the dwarves make some weapons, and the Sindar learn how to make weapons. Um, and the they're and, and they're primarily like the dwarves. They probably use axes and hammers, right? Swords. Do they use swords? Axes, hammers. Ham, hammers. <laughs> I mean, I just, I just always made the yeah. distinction that they, 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 they use really drunk people and they hit. <laughs> <laughs> but they, that they weren't the ones using swords. Yeah, like, not that so didn't much. Seem like their thing. Not, not as much. No. They didn't seem like knife folk. <laughs> no. And um, then around that point was when. I mean, I'm just imagining like like a lot of time is blitzing past in this chapter, and so much is happening. 
And then around short, not shortly, but a while af- after that happens, they hear the cry of Morgoth off in uh, Lemoth. Right. Am I skipping ahead too far? But mm. the Desmond, um, that no. they, they they've heard that now, and I imagine like everybody on the planet is going, "What was that? Yeah. What what is happening? Why is it suddenly dark too?" And in Tolkien's words, how he put that is, and all its people shrank for fear, for though they knew not what it foreboded, they were they heard then the herald of death, which is like duh, duh. yeah, yeah. And you know, we had talked about like this being the 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 worst cry that anyone's ever heard, but yeah, the herald of death is what that noise was equated to. This is like that that um, like. Escalate like that, that like not only escalation, but a similar vein of that when they were first fighting Melkor early on, and the elves were seeing the light mm-hmm. of the fight up in like the sky and in the north or whatever, like that. It's like, and they didn't similar know what to was that. going on exactly, yeah. yeah. Like the elves didn't know what was going on with this war that was happening, and the same thing, like you know, right now these elves are hearing Morgoth's cry and they don't know what's going on, but they know it's bad. And then Angulion <laughs> kept trying to come into. Thingol's realm. Yeah, she's getting way too close. Just whip her back. Yeah, yeah. Get back. Get out of here. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, Melian and she runs off into the north. Pushes her away. Um, and then we have so so Mor- Morgoth, as we had said in the last chapter, was you know rebuilding his tower and uh, rebuilding his army and and the orcs are breeding and pushing pieces stronger. on like a big board with like a bandaged hand playing, forever. Yeah, <laughs> playing playing risk and his. <laughs> What if there's a Middle Earth risk? Oh, there, there, yeah, there has is. to be. Yeah, there, there has is. to be. I've seen it. And you play as like men and elves and dwarves. Can I be the eagles and, orcs? and just fly on the board? And... <laughs> probably not, but I bet you could probably play as Ents. Ooh. That'd be probably boring. <laughs> well, the Ent folk take you can a only very, make... very, very long, long time. You can only to make one move. <laughs> but the orcs and stuff are attacking, mm-hmm. and there have been, and this is like. This feels like a very big war compared to what has mm-hmm. happened in the past, where they're no longer fighting Melkor on his ground. He's pretty much fighting them on their turf in ways that weren't that weren't like the previous chapter, mm-hmm. where some battles they're winning. I know there was one battle that they were reading about uh, that I was reading about. I can't remember somebody was killed. Yes. They won, but somebody very important was killed, and the elves had to find a new king. I can't remember the name. Yeah. So previously, um, there. There were more elves who had, uh, who were on the march to toward Middle Earth, um, but had forsaken the march. So they go down the Great River, and then they meet up with Thingol, and Thingol welcomes them as well. Um, so this was uh, Lenwe was their leader, um, and Denethor is his son, um, and he's he's the one who leads his people to Thingol. So yeah, the um, the orcs. Denethor was killed. That's who I was yes. thinking. Of. Yeah. So the orcs uh, are attacking now the elves, and so the elves, uh, Thingol is calling on Denethor to help, and so there's basically two elf armies, um, and a great they have a great battle, um, but yeah, unfortunately, um, Denethor is killed before Thingol can come to help him. Um, I was gonna say. Um... Previously, like, Orgoth was trying to destroy the world. Yeah. And now he's appointed himself as its lord. As its lord, yeah. We skipped so that he's part, trying yeah. To, mm-hmm. He's trying to capture the world. Because he right. calls himself, like, the king of the world now, yeah, after he makes his world. big crown. Yes. Right. Um, so, yeah, this I'm is... king of the world! I, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to And then lie. cries. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, yeah, the, um... Uh, Den- Denethor's people, after he dies, they they become yet another faction of elves. Um, they're very sad, um, and they decide that they're never going to go to war again. Um, and they become the Green Elves, and some of them, some of his people, also stayed with Thingol. But so we have yet another faction of elves. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh. Um, and then so Thingol. Uh, after this battle, he tries to call as many people back to their home as he can, and Melian builds like this force field yeah, kind of thing. I, I was trying to <laughs> with her power. I didn't quite understand that um, when I was first reading it. To, 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 this area needed to be. Ah, uh, man, 
This whole part was really confusing for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just know it was like it was like battle, battle, battle. Name, name, name. Name, 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 name. And then like there was a battle that they lost and it was a big deal that they lost it. Mm-hmm. And then <sighs> Magic. The gathering. Ew. <laughs> they spent like seven thousand dollars in a year <laughs> on cards. I hope they didn't. But so yeah, um, I just know that ended it ended sadly, like it, it, ended yeah. in a way where they're pushed back. Morgoth has this area, and the orcs and Crake. orcs and whatever <laughs> just fill up this area. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and these these chapters that we read today, we had a lot of a lot of death and destruction, and for the first time, th- yeah, for yeah, the first really, time. yeah, and yeah, not so yeah, not only was it the first time, but we had a lot of it. It was the most like weirdly. There was not a lot of skipping around in time, except till chapter 10. That was the one where we were skipping around in time. But, the, but chapter 9, it was pretty linear. Like, mm-hmm. you got exactly what was going on. Yeah. And 10 is uh, so skippy over in time. It's, and it's because all, all of this, yeah, uh, <laughs> over Um but, but, you know, all of this stuff happens over basically everything that we have read also, so far, so it's it was very condensed in that chapter. But also, since the elves lived for a very long time, could it be that in chapter nine, when Thanor leaves and takes, could that have taken like a hundred years or something like that? We don't know exactly I how mean, much time it takes, but yeah, it takes many years, is what we're given. Okay. Yeah. I, I just was thinking that today while I was reading. Like this, we don't actually. These people don't seem to really care about time because they technically they, are immortal. They yeah. don't age, so... They have an, an abundance of it. Yeah, why would they care about time? Mm-hmm. So we don't really get a sense of time in this. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like we're going to get a sense of time until... I mean, I still feel questionable about time in this. I know yeah. how the ages work now very well. But I still feel like within that, though, they don't really have a good sense of time. Until, like, men come back. Yeah, we're we're still dealing with like big chunks of time happening between, or at, you know, as we're reading, big chunks of time are happening, and yeah, it's very it's pretty unclear um, exactly how long things take, but we can assume that they they take a, a, a fair amount of years. Oh boy, yeah. it feels like the most like the most we ever had in an episode. Yeah, this was a lot. Yeah, this was a, that lot to take. This in. was like forty pages where previously it's been like fifteen. Yeah. yeah. So. yeah. We had we had a lot to go through today, but um, a yeah. lot actually happened. A lot actually happened. My favorite thing was this. Actually, I I've said it was the screams earlier, but it was actually when Morgoth was setting up his fortress and making that crown with the Selmarils inside of it. There's a, that's just a really interesting image, and he just seems so sad when he's doing it. Just imagine like being really sad. He's just. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if he's so much sad as he is just angry. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, he's. We. I don't. We hear that he's angry, but yeah. He is okay. He's angry because his hands are burned too. I just. I just <laughs> yeah. get this feeling that he's just not. He's not digging where his life is choices right now. He's <laughs> well, just. He's never going to be happy unless he actually is king of the world, right? Yeah, that's true. Um. Yeah, one of my favorite parts was so again. Uh, so I, I was saying earlier how like you know throughout this chapter we see more and more how Fanor is just um ruthless ruthless and like causes problems and but I I like something that I uh it was uh, while he was doing his like rallying speech to try and get the rest of the Noldor to follow him right uh and uh he says, like, we will not be cowards. He's responding to Mandos and saying, we will not be cowards. We will uh, fight bravely even if we go to our death. And he says, people will write songs about us. <laughs> Which is, I mean, true. Like, that's, he's like, we're going to be famous and people are going to mm-hmm. remember us because stuff is passed down through songs. Um, it just really is, like, one small instance of showing just how... Um, like conceited, egotistical, and egotistical <laughs> that Fanor is. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like the fact that he burned the boats. I don't know. I wouldn't say that I like it. But We're saying we like all of these things that are really not good things because there's but... nothing positive to like in these beds. It's yeah. just interesting. He was he's a, he's a dick, and that's a dick move. But I, I 
It's I a like, nice touch. I like that Luthien was born, and I like that Galadriel did not take the horrible oath to kill people who take Silmarils. Yes. <laughs> those were those were positives. Those were positives. <laughs> um. So yeah. Maybe sometime in the future we might see men. I don't know. Yeah, well, no, I, 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 I may have taken a sneak peek into the future. No sneak peeks. Uh, and I think I think it's probably actually happening. In the... You're not supposed to look into the Palantiri. Yeah. Oh no. Because you don't know where the rest oh, of them are. Oh, I goofed. Uh. You, you're looking into a network, and you don't know who uh, who is looking into the same network, and could yeah. Reopening yourself. I actually, world looked of pain. Up, I actually looked up 8chan on the palindrome. <laughs> the oh, palindrome. No. The it's palindrome. Palindrome? Is it palindrome? Palantir. Palantir. Oh, what is a palindrome? A, a race palindrome. car, mom, oh, dad. Is a word that is the a man, same a plan, a canal, Panama. Whoops. My bad. Otto. What is it? I saw one the other day. Um, like the name Otto, not... Like auto, yeah, yeah. A, a tuba butt, or no, a butt, a butt, a butt tuba. tuba, a butt tuba, a butt tuba is the same for yes. its background. Uh, Subaru, you are a bus. Interesting. What is it when you flip a word and it means another word, like dog and god and god and dog? Dyslexia. <laughs> I don't know if there's a term for that. There's got to be a term for that. And on that note, anyway, <laughs> I'm Naj. Oh, are we doing that? I'm John. I'm Itac. <laughs> I like that. I guess mine's sake. <laughs> Chase Sache. E-sake. It's like e-cigarette. Yeah. Okay. E-sake. Uh. <laughs> and uh. we are in the humble state of Sasnakra. <laughs> uh, yes, and we are uh, Nasirema. <clears throat> we are the Nasirema. Have you read that article? Of course I have. Okay. I, what article? I, I what took, is this? I took cultural anthropology. There, there's, there's a famous article uh, where this anthropologist wrote about a people called the Nasirema, and he's like, and in their houses they have a room made of stone or fake stone, and when they are sick they go to temples and priests watch over them and even though they frequently die at these temples they all go there and it turns out <laughs> yeah. turns out that he's just writing really objectively about, about american, american society. society oh nice yeah. and he's, he's hiding it by calling them nasarama which is just american backwards and that they have shrines in their bathrooms and stuff yes. or that the bathroom is a shrine basically yeah, yeah where you mm-hmm. where you apply paint, like, to, paint your to your face and, yeah yeah and rich people have these rooms made of stone and people who can't afford stone use imitation stone. Yeah. That's super cool. I need to read that. You, you, need, you would like it. It's a great article. So, yes. Uh, ta-ta. Bye. <laughs> See you next time. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Silmarillion. If you want more podcasts from the Warp Zone Network, check out warpzonenetwork.com and the various podcast feeds there. You can also check out our Patreon account, which is warpzonenetwork at patreon.com, and give us some money in order to keep the lights on so we can keep doing what we're doing. You can also find us on Twitter at TalkingTolkien, and you can email us at talkingtolkien.com at warpzonenetwork.com. So, hope you've enjoyed, and I hope you all have a great week. And remember to toast to the professor. Professor.